Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. Today's guest is Alex Eaton, the Executive Director for the Community Foundation of Utah. She has both nonprofit and for-profit experience, which gives her a unique perspective when it comes to what makes nonprofits most effective. Not only will she share about what a community foundation is, she'll specifically talk about what the Community Foundation of Utah is all about. But she also talks about what makes a healthy nonprofit and what makes up a healthy leader of a nonprofit. In fact, I think Alex shares something very insightful when she talks about the importance of leaders taking at least one hour each week to get away from their phone, their email, and their desk to just think. She goes on to explain why, and you'll really want to hear her thoughts on that. Thanks again for listening, and enjoy today's show. And today we have Alex Eaton, the Executive Director of the Community Foundation of Utah. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that we typically have EDs of uh, nonprofits that, you know, whether they run an organization for, uh, you know, um, an animal organization or some, a food pantry or things like that, the Community Foundation is a little different. They come alongside your typical nonprofit. And so Alex is here to talk a little bit about what the Community Foundation does and what your role is. And so Alex, great to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So talk about the Community Foundation of Utah for those who maybe have never, maybe they've heard about it, but what do you do actually? What is your role and how do you come alongside nonprofits? Great. Well, we're a community organization and really our focus is philanthropy. We were started in 2008. We have about 30 million um, under management, about 220 funds. And essentially uh, donors are our clients. And then it's kind of like the nonprofit world is our portfolio. So what we do is we really match donor intent with the good things that people are doing in our community. So it's really is focused on fundraising, philanthropy, linking up with people that want to donate towards these nonprofits, and you kind of are the go-between? Exactly. Because um, this is such a charitable state. I'm sure you've heard that. It's Absolutely. the highest giving at 10%. Um, and so there's a lot of people who are philanthropic here, but they, they might be interested in animals or they might be interested in, I don't know, cancer research, but they don't really know how to execute on giving. And so we sit down with them and kind of go over what are their goals? Do they want their family involved? What are the opportunities? What are the nonprofits that are doing really interesting things? And I think donors these days are really looking for impact. They don't want to just write a check. They want to see like, well, what are these dollars doing? And so we're really working with nonprofits on being innovative, um, having a sustainable business model, and really trying to measure your impact. Well, that's a good point. Let's talk about the donors for a second. Um, how do donors find out about you? Do they have to seek you out? Do you seek them out? How does that work? All of the above. Um, referrals are probably our best, you know, because people who've worked with us and they understand the experience and what we do, which we hope is value add and believe is value add. Um, but yeah, I'm out talking to people all the time, just like coming here and talking to you. Um, we've only been around since 2008, and the, this is the last state to have a community foundation. Is that right? Utah's the last state. Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, they've been around for 100 years. So it's really just, and we're, we're working on a marketing campaign, and we really need to get the word out more. But our fund holders are really our best advocates. 
Excellent. So a lot of word of mouth of other donors. Got it. And then how about on the flip side, nonprofits? Do you go out and uh, solicit, hey, nonprofits, uh, give us an information you know, sheet on your nonprofit. We'll list you in our directory. How do you get a list of nonprofits that you promote then with these donors? Well, there's actually 6,100 nonprofits in Utah. 6,100. So, yes. And they qualify as 501c3s. I'm yes. Assuming. Yeah. And, That's just um, a few of them. I don't just know. Just <laughs> a few. And we have given away 35 or 30 million basically since 2008. And last year we gave away 10 million. So um, we have a lot of nonprofits that come to us. The interesting thing about our structure is we really are um, kind of a large donor advised fund. So almost all of our assets, I would say 99% are donor directed. So um, the nonprofits really find us. And then we do keep on file. We have like a library of all the different nonprofits and what they're doing. And we love to sit down and kind of understand what special projects they have going on or, or what are their unique needs um, so that when donors come to us, say they come to us and they want to give to homelessness, but they want something like a little different than the road home. You know, there's one nonprofit called The In-Between, which is basically hospice for homeless. And, and so we'll talk to them about the different opportunities in the giving space and just being smart about the nonprofits. Like, I joke sometimes we're a matching service, you know. Uh, like matchmaking a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And do you work like in St. George and up in Ogden and then, of course, Park City? Now, we have a Park City Community Foundation. I'm assuming it's very much a parallel organization. Is that correct? Or are you guys a little different? Love, Katie. Um, We're both community foundations, but we are very, very different. Um, From what I understand, they're more of a traditional foundation where you have an endowment. Um, And plus, I think you only have about 82 nonprofits up here. That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And whereas... um, we do different things. We take complex assets, um, and we, we have a lot of donor-advised funds. I mean, at one point, we owned a wedding chapel in Vegas. We own part of that a building That sounds downtown. interesting. Is <laughs> it for staff retreats or? Well, no. It was, <laughs> Just you, kidding. You know, but, and we, we do a lot of private stock transactions. And I think because our board, I mean, we were started by venture cap, entrepreneurial people. And so um, we tend to be a little more innovative and get involved with, like, impact investing, um, which is a little different than kind of a traditional foundation. That makes sense. And uh, it is interesting. So you basically, your focus is, again, having the money given to you. You manage it for people. So say a donor out there has, we'll just say $10 million. He says, okay, I'm going to give you five of that. I want you to manage it. And then here's the five nonprofits I want you to give to. And it's your responsibility to make sure there's good you know, returns for his investment, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, there's two options. You can give us the money and we have pooled vehicles at Vanguard, like mm-hmm. a midterm, a long-term, a socially responsible, very conservative funds. Um, but if you have your own provider, like say you have someone at Merrill Lynch you work with, we also do separately managed accounts. So you could keep it there. Um, Yeah. And the great thing is, say you give us $5 million, you get one tax receipt basically. And then um, we do all the administration and giving and you can be anonymous if you want. There are a number of donors who just don't want people contacting them. We actually have approximately 40% of our donors use it for tithing. Interesting for their church. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very interesting. That's kind of a unique approach to uh, tithing in your church. Wonderful. Okay, now let's talk more about the nonprofit side. Uh, you've been uh, a director of nonprofit, actually multiple nonprofits. You've got a lot of experience. So now you're in a different role. Um, talk about the nonprofits here in Utah. What is, in, first of all, in your opinion, what's the most important role a nonprofit serves in any community? Well, I think the nonprofits exist to provide like essential services um, that the government simply can't like doesn't have the capacity so and i think that just having like local expertise local knowledge understanding the community they're really like 
you know, on the ground, um, seeing what the unique needs are. Um, and really they're able to pivot and deliver services that are unique to our state. Um, that sometimes at a governmental level is just, it's hard to get, um, really, I think the knowledge and expertise to deliver to that unique community. Excellent. And um, what do you think are the traits of the healthy nonprofit? We talk a lot about uh, leadership here and healthy nonprofits, and we've had you know some of your colleagues on this same show. So in your opinion, what are the healthy traits of a nonprofit? I think the most important thing is sustainability, because without some kind of revenue stream, you can't do any good. And I think the traditional uh, nonprofit, you know, grant cycle, like I just, I think people are less interested in doing grants. So even for us as a nonprofit, we have to look at what are our sources of revenue and we can't just rely on someone to write us a big check. Um, and how do we, you know, how do we be self-sustaining? How do we continue to be innovative? Um, and how do we have impact? I think the interesting thing about nonprofits is they're really businesses, right? I don't even like the word nonprofit because it sounds like we failed at something. Yeah, right? the talk about that a little bit. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> I mean, we're not. What could we be called instead? What would you call well, us? I don't know. Maybe not for profit because okay. you can be a five hundred one c three and be profitable. Right. I mean, okay. We are, and that's. I was going to say goal. that is interesting because you are a nonprofit as a community foundation, which is interesting, but you have a ton of assets. Yeah, and that's really our biggest area where we get fees you know, is from the assets and that's something we're looking to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to grow our endowment because right now we don't really have discretionary funds to give to the community and we would like to be able to meet unique community needs. Um, so yeah, you don't have a grant uh, application process, for example, for nonprofits at this point? Not, but we're creating one. Got it, um, okay. And we actually just got our first 20000 in that fund, which Fantastic. is a small amount to start it's with. It's a start, hey, it's seed money. Yeah, um, so I hope that answers your question. No, very helpful. Yeah, and then back to nonprofits. Yeah, you talk about you don't like the name, which is interesting. Yeah, it's almost as if we failed at something. <laughs> I kind of like that. It's an interesting uh, uh, approach. So yeah, what would be, going back to the traits of a healthy nonprofit, are there some examples you've seen, say, right here in Utah, that you feel like, now that's a healthy nonprofit. What about that nonprofit sets it apart? Well, I think, I mean, I think revenue, of course. I think leadership is critical. And the board Um, I mean, that's actually the most critical because they really have a fiduciary responsibility and without the right board, um, it's tough to accomplish your mission and they need to be your ambassadors in the community and they need to, you know, govern, um, and make sure that the intent of the funds it's used the way it's, it's intended. Um, I come from a business background, Mm -hmm. so I really focus more on, Revenue structure, sustainability, scale, efficiency. I mean, in the end, doing social good is so fun, and I love have, having that be our mission. But I think as nonprofit leaders, we have to be business people. We have to run a successful business and, and understand how to run it and understand finance um, because without that, we, we're, we can't continue. Do you th- and it's a really good point because I, I would agree with you. And I think there's probably a lot of people that are maybe are not as familiar with nonprofits or don't get involved in nonprofits for that very reason. There's a concern, hey, nonprofits are not really well run. They're not really run like businesses. They're not very sharp. They're not very professional or whatever. You fill in the blank. So do you feel like it's much more appealing to a donor when you see a nonprofit that really is run like a business? Or do you run afoul potentially of the mission by being too business orientated? You lose kind of the heart of what a nonprofit's all about. What do you think about that? Where does that balance come in? Well, that's a good question. And I mean, there are so many nonprofits here that do like amazing things. I'm not, you know, I have only positive things to say about them. Um, you know, 
I don't know if I really know the answer to that. Um, or at least I don't right now when I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll give you time to research and bring you back on. No, we're throwing all kinds of questions at her, so we're surprising her. Maybe, no, maybe I can take that one again. Okay, sounds good. No, no problem at all. Um, what have you seen to be the biggest challenges to Utah nonprofits specifically, or just nonprofits in general? What are the consistent challenges you see? And my guess is one of those got to be fundraising is my guess. I think it's, it's definitely fundraising. Um, I also think that, you know, because um, the funds are finite and everyone's competing for finite resources, I think we could collaborate a lot more. I think we're stronger together than we are individually. And I would love to see donors tie some sort of, um, I don't know, funding to people working together on an issue. I mean, definitely funding is the biggest challenge, but I think it shouldn't drive our behavior and, and create silos. We should, if everyone cares about homelessness, it seems like everyone that, that's focused on homelessness, we should find some way to work together. And there's actually some great work being done on that. Um, Mayor McAdams has this um, homelessness, um, excuse me, collective impact committee. Right. Which he has done an amazing job of leading and, um, and all the nonprofits are involved around that issue. Um, and it's been a great way to see people come together collectively um, I mean, I think that the tide's really changing in Utah. I think those those silos are, are kind of going away and people are collaborating and working together, um, which, so I guess, you know, one challenge obviously is funding, but the other challenge is resources. And so if we work together, we can, we can allocate the resources more effectively and use the donor dollars for what they're intended and really try and solve some of these social issues. Um, so that's a great example. You know, we've had Bill Krim from the United Way on here and he had some great insight because the United Way has done some real uh, innovative things in South Salt Lake um, and they're continuing to do it throughout the state. Um, do you feel like that homelessness uh, task force is really one of the best examples right now you see? And the reason I ask that is it's interesting. It's gotten some national press about how the unique ways Utah as a state and Salt Lake as a city is dealing with homelessness. Uh, is there other examples like that, that you've seen as a community foundation like, oh, that's it. We should do more of that kind of thing. Well, on the homelessness thing, we've actually, we're involved in like four different tranches. We were part of the collective impact. We were part of the group that went to the Capitol to get the appropriation for the shelters. We actually have a field of interest fund around homelessness. IHC gave us 500,000, Wells Fargo 200,000. Um, and we have people on the committee like Pamela Atkinson who are leaders um, in this space and community representatives from the city and the county. Um, and that's just kind of getting started, but it's all these people come to us with ideas. And so we're like, why don't we all do this together? We're also part of Pay for Success that has the homelessness part of it. Right. Uh -huh. So we're also seeing at the very granular level, what are the, how are we gonna measure and evaluate the success of some of these programs? Um, you know, we've also been approached by um, a group that wants to start a sexual assault field of interest. Mm -hmm. We recently <clears throat> are supporting um, a global uh, climate change um, entity. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have an L LGBT fund. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, just really the, whatever community needs that are surfaced to us, we try to find a way to bring the right community together mm -hmm. and, and make a difference in that space. When you brought up earlier, it was interesting how many people go through you to give their tithes in, even to their local church. Um, and the LDS church is probably the largest church in Salt Lake. Um, what's the relationship that you've seen, like, say, with church and nonprofits and perhaps even government? Has there been a good relationship that you've seen? And how uh, is that working? 
We have a great relationship with LDS Philanthropies. I mean, we tend to reach out to all these organizations that are in similar places and work together. I mean, government, working with McAdams and Biscoopsie, I mean, that's we're all involved there. Um, the interesting thing with the church, like we, we know who they are and they know who we are, and we tend to take assets they're, I think, not as comfortable with, like the, church, the, the wedding chapel. Right, so got it. I see us as all on the same team, and we appeal to different people. You know, just like you mentioned Bill Krim, sometimes I joke, he's like a fancy suburban and we're an Audi. You, <laughs> oh, that's you know, good. You know, like, I'm to tell Bill that. That's great. Because <laughs> we're, we're all doing good and we're doing mm-hmm, good things mm-hmm. and we should help each other mm-hmm. um, and we'll appeal to different audiences. So I see it as a partnership and I'm happy to refer clients that meet their criteria to them because um, in the end we just want the client to have the best experience and to be where the where they want the money to be so i'm kind of agnostic if we're not the right fit i'm fine with that let me open a door for someone else excellent i like that collaborative mindset all right talk a little bit more about the community foundation as it relates to nonprofits. why is it so important that the community foundation exists and what is it what's the greatest benefit to nonprofits? well we're still early stages we're a young foundation and probably nonprofits would say funding But we do things like yesterday we had something called the Social Investors Forum and we have one call, like a one page call for investment and we ask nonprofits to apply and 46 applied, five came and pitched and basically the idea is to receive some sort of funding but we don't want, we want it to be more about more than money, right? So that if they walk away from the experience and they don't get funded, was it still a good experience? So we sat down with all of them before and with our board chair and we did pitch training. Like, what are the points you need to hit? You know, be concise. How do you wrap it up? You know, how do you state the problem and how you're going to solve it and, and, and what that means, you know? And so you so turned it into a training opportunity, really. That's exactly what we try to do. And, and because we have a good lens into, like, donor expectation, um, I think, I mean, I often find myself just talking about, like, what the donors are looking for. Um, but this was a really fun. So we had a, we had a 10 or 12 panel in what we call the investment committee. Mm-hmm. And they're entrepreneurs, venture cap, you know, investors on the business side. And the nonprofits pitch, and then they ask them questions. And they're really good, thoughtful, insightful questions. And then we meet afterwards, and they decide, you know, which ones to fund. Almost and like a shark tank a little bit for nonprofits. It exactly is. Yeah, that's and, what it um, sounds like. Mm-hmm. And there have been some really interesting things that, ca- that have come out of that. Um, some organizations like the Bicycle Collective that was able to open an office in Ogden through some of the funding. Um, so I think we we try to, mir- like, I guess, match some of the incredible entrepreneurial talent that is in this state mm-hmm. on how do you run a business? How do you think about your impact and outcome? And I mean, we're unique in that that's because that's a kind of our client base. We can bring that to the nonprofit space and it's a very different dialogue. You know, how do you, when you think about your nonprofit and what you're achieving, when you sit down with an entrepreneur and you, and you explain, Hey, I'm trying to drive revenue. The way they think about problem solving is just incredible. I find it incredibly additive for us because it just like ups the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking to these really successful, smart people, and you start thinking, wow, there's some other things I could be doing here besides just kind of status quo. Or maybe I should think about the population I'm serving differently. Or, I don't know, maybe this isn't the right business model. Or, you know what, maybe I should merge with an organization that does the exact same thing in St. George. So it's, um, I think it's just like convening, collaborating, and providing resources and access. 
That's excellent. And I think that's well, what a great service you provide because I think you're right. In Park City, there are a lot of social entrepreneurs and uh, it's amazing what you can learn from them in terms of uh, principles that apply to a nonprofit, even though they've applied it to mostly business or startups uh, that are for profit. But uh, that's excellent. I love it. Um, then one other question about nonprofits that you've seen, what typically are the weaknesses or what are nonprofits missing most of the time in your mind as you've interacted with them? Maybe, again, beyond maybe the funding issue, because I know that's something that's think, always lacking for most nonprofits. Well, yeah, right? I think just time. Okay. I mean, talk I, about that. What do you mean? Well, when you talk to executive directors, we, um, we actually have a program where we bring uh, rural executive directors to Salt Lake for four days and go through like strategy and leadership and budgeting and how do you manage your board? And because we're trying to have a broader impact than just where we are in Salt Lake. And Every single ED I talk to, at least, they always feel like they just don't have enough time because there's so much stuff that comes at them. They have limited resources. You know, we're constrained by not a huge staff model, and we have to be everything to everyone. Like, I don't have an HR department or an accounting department, and so... You wear many hats as an ED of a typical nonprofit, particularly a smaller one. Yeah, and I think what I try to do with my team is, you know, I've said at least an hour a week, we just get rid of your phone, get rid of your... Don't be on email. Just sit somewhere peaceful and think. Because if we don't think strategically and get out of the day-to-day, we're not going to grow, I think, like in a strategic, creative way. And so it's like just being disciplined around how do I get away from all these things that are coming at me and and just, you know, think. Because that, that, I think, is if you, if you don't have time to think strategically, um, maybe you don't grow quite as well you know I mean I find those those quiet times when you have a piece of white paper and you write down you know like actually we were we're building our board Mm -hmm. and um, so I took a white piece of paper and I just wrote exactly what I wanted in the board in terms of the skill set and did a pretty little PowerPoint and then sat down with my board and it was so fun and we got so many names but it was because I like stepped out you know of the day-to-day and was able to just think that is a great insight. I love that because I know for my, me personally, it's so hard to do, but when I do it, it's so valuable. And so you, you see that, that really that's something, if you were to give one piece of advice, sounds like for executive directors, take the time. You said like, what, an hour a day? At least well, an hour a week? At least an hour a week. All right, okay, there you go. I love that goal. That's a great idea because it is, there's so many fires you have to be fighting, you know, an ED uh, role. And I definitely experienced that. In fact, we had um, Trish Worthington on our uh, podcast not too long ago, and she mentioned hats, how many hats a typical ED wears. And that almost prevents you from having that quiet time, that time to reflect and really keep, you know, bring your head up a little bit and look, okay, where are we going? What do we need to change? What do we, what do we really want to be about? Like you said, excellent advice. Exactly. And then I think just for organizations as a whole, nonprofits, you know, my team does so many things. It's amazing. And they're always willing to do, go the extra mile and work hard. And so, you know, Friday we're closing at one because it's a long weekend. And I think it's like, I encourage them to, you know, have a life and to leave at five, you know, I mean, if we have to work later, we work later, but we have a lot to do and we can't do everything in one day. So balance. So you really try to model that. You encourage yes. that. Love, love that. Very Great much approach. so. I mean, my background was, you know, in the banking world. So am I on email early in the morning and later at night? Absolutely. But I mean, I don't expect them to work 12 hour days. Right. You Got know, it. eight is fine. Mm-hmm. And take a lunch. 
And take a lunch even. Yeah, I love that. Well, I think over the long haul, that's more sustainable for people. Well, and the thing too is you spend, you know, eight hours a day staring at these people. So it's got to be fun, you know? And so there's got to be point. this <laughs> sense of like, yeah, and if you come in and you're drained because, you know, work is everything. It's just, we, we need outside interests. We need to laugh, you know? And, um, and my organization too is really flat. I mean, it's very much a team. Everyone has input and we, we make, you know, we collaborate and make decisions together. So people feel like they have a say. They can, they can have a life and they have a voice. Well, and good for you to set that example because I do think uh, we've had other guests again and I, I've struggled with it too that um, when it comes to nonprofits, there's a sense that uh, you have to work all the time because there's such a lack of resources. There's only so many staff to go around. It lands on everybody to do everything. And I love that fresh approach. Uh, I struggle myself with, you know, just putting too many hours in and uh, getting burnt out, getting tired. And I'm sure our staff works so hard here at our nonprofit. So I, I, I like your approach. It's a fresh approach. It, it's what needs to happen because, again, it goes back to you want to enjoy the people you work with, right? And you want to have a sustainable model for those who are watching you and those who you're serving. So, Well, the reality, too, is it's probably the same with you, is I think about work probably a lot of the time. So maybe I'm not at work, but I'm still problem solving. So I don't have to stress about, did I put in these many hours? Because I know that it's always in there. You know what I mean? I'll wake up at three in the morning and have an answer to something that I've been trying to figure out for three days. So, I mean, it's almost like the work-life balance thing. Like, I don't know if that really exists, but sometimes like it's, it's 24 seven, you know what I mean? Because, and so you have to make time to go hiking with your dogs or whatever, because maybe you're problem solving without even thinking about it at seven o'clock at night. Yeah. Oh, I experienced that a lot. Well, this has been excellent. Alex, thanks so much for sharing your insights. Again, if they want to find out more about the community foundation, where do they go? Um, they can call me or okay. they can go to our website, utahcf.org. Um, come by and see us in Sugar House. we got a new office in November. It's a great space. Um, you know, meet our folks and uh, yeah, just a phone call away. Excellent. Well, again, Alex Eaton, Executive Director of the Community Foundation of Utah. What a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for sharing your insights with us today. Thanks so much for having me. I want to let you know that we are on iTunes now. So if you're wondering how to find us, check us out on iTunes by typing in Nonprofit Leadership Podcast or Rob Harder, and this podcast should pop up. We also encourage you, if you want to get the latest episode, please subscribe to my podcast and you'll get the latest episode each week when we publish it. We also encourage you, uh, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We'd love to hear back what you think about this podcast and even the topics you may want to hear about in the future. You can also go online to listen to this podcast, either at nonprofitleadershippodcast.org or my website, robharder.com. Finally, you may be listening and thinking to yourself, I want to be a guest on this show. Uh, well, email me at rob at robharder.com. Let me know what you're doing. I would love to find out what you are doing to make your world better. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, have a great week. <laughs>